0: Well, a few years ago, um, I heard a story um, of some hippies who were travelling through Europe, uh, of course, in a combi van, and uh, they came to the Louvre Museum, or the Louvre Musée, the li- the uh, I think is how it's put, and um, <coughs> they actually were there causing quite a stir. Uh, they went into the Louvre and they were, you know, Impersonating all the portraits, and they were, you know, doing obscene things, uh, paint, you know, poking fun at the nude art, and quite frankly, um, people were a little bit outraged uh, by their behaviour. And the the Louvre um, curator happened to be walking past at the time, and uh, he said, "Enough, enough of this! I'm going to go have a chat to them." So he walked up to them and said, very sternly, uh, "Messieurs," he said, "in this museum, it is not the paintings." that are being judged. Now, of course, I'm sure he said it with a much better French accent than me, Uh, but I want to point out that what the curator was saying was an incredibly, incredibly penetrating, incredibly insightful point. (coughs) Excuse me. What he was saying was that in the presence of such masterpieces in the Louvre, the way the viewer responds to the art doesn't actually say anything about the quality of the art. Uh, it says everything about the quality of the hearer. Now, it <clears throat> struck me this week as I've been preparing, when you, uh, when you or I, I guess, when we come to church or open up our Bibles, uh, we can often be like the hippies in the Louvre. Uh, we will come with our own presuppositions uh, and our own values. Uh, and it's very easy for us uh, for our to have our presuppositions and our values uh, shape the way we hear God's word uh, in a sense uh, it's easy to sit in judgment over god 's word <clears throat> it's very easy to believe the bits we want to believe and to not believe uh, the bits that we don 't want to believe but in the parable of the four soils the um, It's an incredibly difficult uh, parable, as I've discovered. Uh, It's a very hard parable to hear. In the parable of the four soils, Jesus makes uh, the same penetrating point uh, as the Louvre Curator. What the parable teaches uh, is that how you and I hear uh, God's word doesn't reveal anything about the power uh, of God's word or the truth of God's word. How you and I hear God's word reveals everything about, uh, as we'll see in just a moment, the conditions of our hearts. It reveals everything, in other words, about the hearer. As Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, over the next eight weeks, um, we're going to be looking at eight great parables of Jesus. It's kind of a best of anthology of Jesus' parables uh, in Luke. Uh, and um, We start with the parable of the four soils because... And and this passage, because uh, the parable teaches us the purpose of the parables. uh, And the parable and the passage teach us uh, how to hear the parables. So we're going to look at our passage under those two headings. Um, Firstly, if you're taking notes, the purpose of the parables. And secondly, uh, leave a bit more space for this one how to hear the parables. So, first, the purpose of the parables. When I was at school, um, they made us uh, go do public speaking lessons and, um, yeah, I know, hardly tells. Um, and uh, one of the first principles uh, of public speaking that they teach you is uh, what's called the KISS principle. It stands for, KISS stands for Keep It Simple Stupid and uh, it means uh, that the main message of your talk uh, has to be abundantly clear. It has to be, uh, according to the KISS principle, it has to be obvious even to the lowest common denominator in the audience. Uh, But in our passage, um, I'm not sure Jesus was really into the kiss principle. Look with me at verse 1. We see there that Jesus was uh, travelling from one town and village to another. He's going everywhere, proclaiming the good news of the Kingdom of God. We see in verse 4 that a large crowd is gathering uh, to him again from everywhere, from town after town. And um, they were gathering to hear and speak. They were gathering to hear about the Kingdom of God. And if you or I had been there, um, I suspect um, we would have, um, and I suspect like the crowd would have, uh, been really keen to hear you know, the specifics, the how, what, who, where, uh, of the Kingdom of God. You know, what exactly is the Kingdom of God? When is it going to come? Who will be its King? Um, they were probably questions uh, that the crowd would have asked and Jesus was probably aware of this. Um, but instead of answering their questions directly, Jesus does something quite unusual. He gets up and he tells a parable, a story uh, about a farmer and, you know, if you look at the narrative flow of the story, it's not the most interesting story. It's, it's kind of um, mundane about a pretty average thing that would have happened in the life of a Palestinian farmer. And um, then Jesus would have signalled to them that there was something deeper going on. He says, let, uh, rather, at the end of verse 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And... I guess they would have just been sitting there scratching their heads thinking, what on earth does that mean? You know, you can imagine, just imagine Peter walking up to Jesus at the end saying, Jesus, what about the kiss principle? We talked about the the kiss principle. And um, even Jesus' disciples, you see, even his inner circle didn't get it. They had to come up to him very sheepishly, verse 9, and ask him what it meant. Now, I want to ask, was this a communication blunder? Was this, uh, I guess, like the joke that a best man tells at a wedding that everyone just doesn't get and he kind of has to embarrassingly tell um, someone else what it means uh, at the end um, later? Well, absolutely not. Look at verse uh, 10 with me. (coughs) Verse 10 uh, says that Jesus deliberately taught about God's kingdom in parables. It's quite striking actually. He taught the knowledge of God, rather the knowledge of the kingdom of God, in secrets. And that's because God's kingdom is not like any earthly kingdom. Remember we saw in Isaiah 55, uh, God's uh, thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. And what that means is that there is no way we can understand the kingdom of God. There is no way uh, we can even comprehend the parables at all unless, unless, verse 9, we, like the disciples, come to Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that that's the point of the parables. You see, the parables act like a filter. Or if you like, they're a bit of a Myers-Briggs spirituality test, but... uh, What they say is, if you're not really interested in Jesus, if all you want is to believe the bits you like about Jesus and to leave out the rest, then you won't understand the parables. For example, if all you want to believe about Jesus is that he was a good teacher, and maybe you even want to believe that he was a miracle worker, but if you don't want to believe that he was a great prophet, he was indeed the king. Indeed, the eternal Son of God who sits on the throne ruling uh, with God the Father, the one who died to save the sinners. If if you want to believe some bits but leave out other bits, you won't understand the kingdom of God at all. Verse 10, You will be seeing but not really seeing, though hearing you will not understand. Well, um, <clears throat> on the other hand, if you do come to Jesus, If you speak to him in prayer, if you look to your Bible to see what Jesus teaches about who he is and what he came to do, over time the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God will be given to you. So you see, the point of the parables is that they act like a filter. As we saw at the beginning, how you and I hear God's word reveals nothing about God's word. It actually reveals everything about the hearer. So, I want to suggest that the only way to understand the Kingdom of God is in a real relationship with Jesus, uh, as a disciple of Jesus. And that's the point of the parables. Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, that brings us to our second point. Um, Secondly, how to hear God's Word. Well, in the Parable of the Four Soils, Jesus is not only teaching us uh, about the Kingdom of God, Uh, quite stunningly. He's actually teaching us about us. In a a way he's holding up the mirror and says, crowd, do you see yourself in this mirror? This is what you're like. He's saying that like there are four types of soils uh, that receive the seed, there are four types of people who receive God's word or if you like, there are four ways to hear God's word. And um, before we look at those, I thought it might be important to actually um, understand two keys that help us to understand uh, the parable. The first one is in verse 11. Uh, Jesus says, The seed is the word of God. Now, that might not be surprising to you, but I suspect it uh, would have been surprising to those who knew their Old Testament well. Um, In the Old Testament, uh, the word of God is described as having incredible power. Uh, In Jeremiah, it's described as a fire. Uh, it's described also as a hammer that breaks rocks. You might also remember that uh, when God created uh, the entire universe, um, he said, let there be light. And God didn't then just sort of pull out his uh, white pages and look up an electrician to make it happen. No, it's actually by the sheer power of his word that when God said, let there be light, light sprang into existence. So you see, God's word is powerful And in contrast, a seed is weak. You know, when you join the army, they don't issue you with a bag of seeds. You know, no one sort of throws a seed into the enemy trenches and sort of ducks out of the way saying, fire in the hall. And that's because a seed is weak. It doesn't have any power, except... except if it is given the right conditions to grow, it will produce a crop in the right soil. Even the smallest of seeds will produce a tree which is abundantly full of life and can withstand even uh, the strongest storm that comes its way. So Jesus says the seed represents the word of God Uh, and that's the first key to understanding the parable and the second key uh, I think is actually uh, trying to understand what Jesus says in verse 15 by uh, the word crop. What exactly does he mean when he says the seed produces a crop in good soil? Well some commentators say that uh, the crop refers to obeying God's word. and um, So they say that the uh, the good soil that produces a crop is a person of noble and a good heart uh, who hears God's word and puts it into practice. If you want to read around um, Luke chapter 8 and in Luke chapter 8, you'll see that that's very much consistent with Jesus' teaching. And I think that's absolutely right. But I want to add something slightly uh, more subtle, something slightly richer, if you like, to that. Um, And that is just unpacking a bit the metaphor of the seed um, the seed you see produces life in good soil. And in the same way, God's word produces a crop. Uh, if you like, it produces spiritual life uh, in you when suddenly the great truths of the kingdom of God become real to you. It's when you don't just believe that God exists, it's when the reality of God comes alive in your heart. Has that happened? It's when you don't just see Jesus as a carpenter, it's when you see him as a uh, prophet, priest and king. As I said before, the eternal Son of God, uh, ruling with God the Father on the almighty throne. The word of God produces a spiritual crop in you uh, when you truly realise uh, that you're not just a person in need of God's blessing. It's when you realise that you're a sinner in need of a saviour. It's when you truly realise and just are struck to the bone of the amazing sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for you. It's when the penny drops of God's great love in that for you Uh, and joy bursts forth uh, like a spring in your heart um, that the word of God produces in you a spiritual crop. And so just coming back to how that ties in with um, obeying uh, the word of God, Um, Yes, indeed, Jesus uh, talks about in verse 15 um, the crop being a crop of obedience. Uh, But I want to say it's obedience that flows from a heart that's been transformed by the love of Jesus, by the love of God, by what he's done for you. Jesus says uh, in John's Gospel, if you love me you will obey what I command. We said before you can't understand the parables except in a relationship with Jesus. In the same way it's impossible to produce a crop of obedience, a true crop of obedience, uh, except in a loving relationship with Jesus. So there are the, uh, two keys. Um, the seed represents God's word, and it calls us to produce a seed, of, uh, rather a crop of obedience that flows from a transformed heart. With that in mind, uh, let's look at the parable, um, how the parable teaches us how to hear. Now, according to the parable, um, the first three soils don't produce a crop. And um, I think it's important that we realise that the problem in all three cases is a depth problem. So in the first soil, the seed doesn't go in at all. In the second soil, the seed... uh, So the first one was the seed that fell on the path. The second soil, uh, the one that falls on the rock or the shallow soil, if you like, um, that's the seed that doesn't go in deep enough. And in the third soil, the one with the thorns, the seed goes in, but it goes in at the same level as the thorns. On the other hand, in the fourth soil, the seed goes in deep. It um, doesn't have any competition, and it produces an abundant crop. And I, um, I want to put this challenge out there: uh, as we unpack each of the soils, uh, I want you to ask yourself, what kind of a soil am I? How well uh, do you hear God's word? In other words. So, verse 12, the first one. The seed that fell along the rocky path represents the people who hear God's word with a hardened heart. In Jesus' day it's pretty obvious that um, Jesus is thinking particularly here of the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord, those who reject Jesus' message about the kingdom, those indeed who reject Jesus, they want nothing to do with him, they want to kill him in fact people who hear God's word with a hardened heart are people who stand in judgement over God's word. They reject the message of the kingdom. They say things like that's true for you but not true for me. They love books like Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion* because it confirms, it sort of articulates what they already want to believe. They're the ones who reject the truth. And What's tragic, as we learn from this parable, is that they're comically unaware that their rejection of God's word doesn't say anything about the truth of God's word as we've been saying. It actually reveals that they've been judged by God's word. Now, I want to ask you, if there's anyone here, is that you? Is that you? Do you have you rejected uh, God's word? With a, have you heard it with a hardened heart? Jesus says, don't hear it with a hardened heart. Now the second soil, verse 13, uh, is the seed that fell on the rock, says Jesus. Um, The commentators here say that um, Jesus is talking about parts uh, of a field in Palestine. Um, There are many parts in in fields in Palestine that seem to be good soil, but actually just beneath the surface uh, there was hard limestone. So the soil was shallow. This soil represents people who receive God's word and are first filled with joy. Uh, It looks like Jesus is the solution to all their problems. Now, in Jesus' day, um, these might have been the people who came to Jesus uh, just to be healed. Uh, These might have been the people who didn't like the Romans and they were hoping that maybe Jesus would be the king who would rally the people and boot the Romans out. Um, In our day, um, these might be people who look to Jesus, only look to Jesus, Uh, as uh, someone who can provide them with material blessing. I was um, watching a program uh, late at night on the Australian Christian Channel uh, a year or two ago and um, the program was called What God Can Do For You. Uh, On the program um, there was a preacher guy uh, talking about uh, material blessings, material miracles, you know, health and wealth type blessings. And he kind of went on to say something quite outrageous. Uh, he said, um, unless you've received a miracle, or rather if you haven't yet received a miracle from Jesus, uh, you're probably not a Christian. He's saying in a sense that the way you know you're a Christian uh, is, is if, God has always, if God always blesses you, he always provides you with material miracles um, and if your life is struggle free. That's what I think he's saying. But um, as you can see from the parable, um, Jesus is saying something very different. Uh, Jesus says, in fact, you know you're a Christian if uh, when the struggles come along, you stick around, you persevere. People of the second soil are people who fall away when the good times uh, stop, the bad times come. And they're really just people who want God's blessings. They don't want God. Um, They stop hearing the message of the kingdom of God and the blessings stop and um, they're not really interested in God's kingdom. Uh, In fact, they really just want uh, God's blessings to come into their kingdom. So they haven't been transformed at all. So I wanted to ask, is this you? The second story. Jesus warns, don't hear the word of God with a shallow heart. Uh, And That brings us to our third soil. Uh, Verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns, says Jesus, stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Now, the third soil represents people who hear God's word with a divided heart, or if you like, a distracted heart. And um, I want to say that one of the tough things about the third soil is Jesus deliberately leaves it a bit ambiguous about um, what happens to them. Uh, in terms of whether or not they are really are Christian, whether or not they really produce uh, a crop um, of the kingdom, he, um, you know, it's clear that from the first two soils um, that they both reject the word. Um, it's clear from, and therefore, not Christians. It's clear from the fourth soil that clearly um, they have a kingdom crop. Clearly Christians. It's not so clear about the third soil. Now, these are the third soil are the people who believe they're committed to Christ. The word has gone into their heart. Um, but it's gone in at the same level as the concerns, the anxieties, the worries of this life. Um, these are the people, um, I guess, uh, in whose hearts uh, the seed, the word of God, is competing uh, with the thorns, for the nutrients of the soil. These are the people whose love for Jesus is competing, in other words, with uh, their love for wealth and possessions and status and their heart is divided, uh, their heart is distracted um, the concerns of the world are choking uh, their love for the concerns of the kingdom and their maturity is being choked, their maturing is being stunted. Now is that you? Is this you? And um, one of the ways you know is if you're not growing from year to year, That's, or, or from month to month even, maybe you're doing more things at church, maybe you're reading a Bible more, but um, the real question is are you growing uh, in uh, in a kingdom sense? Are you growing in your love for Jesus? Are you growing in your concern for others? Are you growing in uh, patience and uh, self-discipline and wisdom? First three souls, Jesus warns, don't hear the word of God uh, with a hardened heart. Don't hear the word of God with a shallow heart. Don't hear the word of God with a divided heart. Uh, but in the fourth soul, verse 15, Jesus says, hear the word of God with a noble and a good heart. These are the people who do grow. They hear the word of God, they reflect on it, they discuss it with other Christians and they retain it. When the tough time comes in their life, um, they stick around. In fact, when the tough times come, they lean more on God's word. In fact, they cling more to Jesus in trust and so they see maturity in their lives from year to year or month to month and they begin to become wiser and more patient and more loving. Now, is that you? Is that you? One of the ways um, you can tell, in addition to what I just said, is, um, is just have a look at the people that Jesus, that, that rather Luke describes in the passage. Um, there are those, verse 2, the twelve. Sorry, at the end of verse 1 it says, The twelve were with him. And there are those, verse 4, the large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus. You see, there were those in the crowd who came to Jesus who heard him, but who didn't receive the word with an open and a good heart. But on the other hand, um, there were the disciples, they heard the word, they were with Jesus. They identified with Jesus. They followed him wherever he went. They asked him the meaning of the parables. And likewise, look at the women. The women were there, um, it says at the end of verse 3, helping to support them, the disciples and Jesus, out of their own means. They had counted the cost and they decided, Jesus is a man I want to follow. So you see, growth in the kingdom of God only happens in a relationship with Jesus. You cannot obey... uh, You cannot understand the parables for starters uh, without him. And you cannot obey, you cannot truly obey except to the extent that you love Jesus. Except to the extent that you've just been captured uh, in your heart by his love for you. Kingdom crop is produced um, in a heart that hears God's word, that retains it, and perseveres. It's a heart that by the word loves Jesus and says, in the words of the old hymn, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let me close um, by saying partly tongue-in-cheek, but um, partly seriously. um, You'll be inclined, if you'd like me, to walk out uh, of here tonight and um, maybe ask yourself, maybe ask someone uh, you walk out with. Hey, so what do you think of the sermon? Um, What I want... I guess to encourage you to do is is not to um, rate the passage. Uh, Don't rate the passage, don't even rate the speaker. Try your best to rate the hearer. Let's pray.